Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am going to be doing a lightning round horror movie review. Number two. Yes, that's right. This is my second time doing this, and thank you so much for coming by to tune in for it. I want to take a moment before I get into the episode to really give another thank you to everybody that's been listening and supporting this show. The amount of feedback that I've been getting the past few weeks has been just phenomenal and so great. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. I had a really fun Instagram live hangout session about a week or so ago, and that went so well. I really, really, really enjoyed everybody that came by and hung out for that. And I only expected it to be maybe a 10 to 15 minute thing, but people hung out and just kept asking me questions. And I was totally okay with that. That's what I wanted. I wanted interaction. And we talked for almost an hour, like it was about like 50 minutes or so. If you missed it and you wish that you were able to tune in for it, if you go to my Instagram page at Brucker Horror, you can go back and watch it if you want to, but be sure that you're following me on Instagram and Twitter at Brucker Horror, because I think I'm going to make that a monthly thing. These fun little Instagram check-ins and hangout sessions. So be sure you're following me. So you get those announcements when they're happening and please come by. And I, I always, I always encourage engagement. So thank you to everybody who's been doing that. And I also want to say thank you to everybody who's been giving me reviews on iTunes and Instagram and interacting with me on Twitter. It's been just so good. And I said Instagram, it says Spotify. Um, but it's been just so lovely. Uh, I've got some really nice reviews. And I've also have started a Patreon page at patreon.com slash Horror. And I have two people joining that. So I want to say thank you to Tiffany and Jasher for joining that. You guys rock. It means so much to me that you would do that. And if people are interested to see what I have on there, it'll be monthly bonus segments. Um, kind of like I'm still trying to figure out a name for it. But I think that they're going to be like autopsy awards in which I'll be going through my back catalog and looking at four movies at a time and kind of giving you a little behind the scenes of what it was like researching them, how it was interacting with the guest. If it was like a director I was interviewing, how that whole experience was and everything, but I'll be ranking those movies, giving awards for what I thought was the best kill out of those bunch, the best weapon, the best uh, death acting and kind of fun things like that. So it'd be kind of fun to group the four movies randomly together like that. So, um, yeah. And I also have like commentary tracks and other bonus things. Like right now I have a bonus episode on the Scooby-Doo project, which is this crazy like Blair Witch cross Scooby-Doo masterpiece. So if you want to listen to my review on that, head over to patreon.com slash Brucker Horror. And again, thank you to Tiffany and Jasher for already joining that. With all of that out of the way, I want to go ahead and get into the lightning round horror review so i got a little list of movies here and these aren't things that are new exactly these are kind of just a random hodgepodge of horror movies i've been watching not exclusively for the podcast but i figure i kind of run through them and give you a little bonus thing because i kind of ran out of time to do some of the other episodes and editing that i wanted to do and frankly i kind of just needed a little mental break because stuff is getting busy with my day job so i figured that a lightning round review would be better than skipping another week so here we go with number one which is the newest movie on this list fresh from 2022 directed by mimi cave this was 
a wild, wild movie. Um, I'm going to be staying away from spoilers in these reviews so everybody knows, but Fresh was a wild movie, excellently directed. The production design was so good. The acting was really good. Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones were so freaking good in this. And what stuck out to me the most about Fresh was the just like the production design and the directing was so so good like all of like the the craftsmanship in this was so good and don't get me wrong the acting as i said was very good and sebastian stan and daisy edgar jones were very 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 good in this but the real winners of this movie are mimi cave and her whole crew that was with her making this they did such a good job it made me so excited for more stuff from mimi cave um if you're not familiar with with what fresh is the the basic premise, oh man, it's kind of hard to talk about this movie because this is one of those movies where the less you know going into it, the better. But basically, Daisy Edgar Jones plays a single woman living in New York, and she's having trouble with dating, and she keeps meeting these like douchebags over like dating apps, and she kind of just organically bumps into this guy who is played by Sebastian Stan in a grocery store and they kind of hit it off and they start dating. He invites her for a weekend getaway and shit gets crazy. It's, and that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's very good. The production design is amazing. And I think my favorite part of this, that it's not a spoiler, but if you've seen it, you know, it's the title card sequence. My, jaw was on the fucking floor when the title when the title card came on i was like holy fuck like this mimi cave she she didn't hold anything back in this i thought that it was very good i think my only gripe and it's kind of a lame gripe which i guess makes sense because i really like the movie is that i often felt like that this movie was too timid to allow the audience to be scared don't get me wrong this movie is upsetting unsettling and pretty depraved but the, the the musical tone is being conveyed in this it's jubilant and kind of upbeat and kind of happy and i know that's a tool that's used in horror to have these mesh and mixing of tones from the music with what's actually happening on screen and that can make you feel unsettled i talked about that in my black christmas episode and i think that works most of the time but for some reason here that's like the whole movie that, that that happens throughout the whole movie. And I almost felt like it was to the detriment of the movie at, at certain points where I feel like they could have leaned more into the horror. But at the same time, what they're dealing with here, it's so, like I said, dark and depraved that if they leaned more into it, that it might be just too unwatchable. So I, I guess I kind of understand what they were going for. But I don't know. I guess that was like my main gripe. But I could also be persuaded as to like that was purposeful and, you know, it it really isn't that big of a deal. But I don't know. It's the only thing that really stuck out to me that I kind of wish that they tweaked a little bit more. And I like that this movie didn't. It, there, there are a handful of side characters in this and the movie didn't feel like it needed to give everybody a backstory and everybody an explanation for their motivations or whatever. And you kind of just get the basic premise as to why people are doing the things that they are. And it, and, and it makes sense. You just take it at face value and that's really all we needed for this. Um, 
It's very good. It's available on Hulu if you haven't seen Fresh yet. And like I said, the less you know, the better going into it. But it is kind of fucked. <laughs> but um, yeah, I de- definitely check out Fresh. I'm excited for more. I am excited for more Mimi Cave stuff. Sebastian Stan needs to be needs to be doing more horror movies. I fucking just loved his performance in this. It was so weird. I almost wondered if Mimi Cave was at all inspired by Dexter because I kind of got a lot of Dexter vibes from this. Um, but anyways, go check out Fresh on Hulu. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed and have some sort of palate cleanser ready for you because I I needed to watch like an episode of Frasier or something when I was done with this movie. But yeah, Fresh, check it out. The next movie I want to talk about is a Shudder exclusive, and it is a Korean movie from 2019. This is probably one of my favorite like little gems I found on Shudder, and it's called Warning, Do Not Play. This is just such a rad time, and I found it to be very spooky and very unsettling. You will need to have the subtitles on, so if you're not adverse to that, and I encourage people to watch some foreign stuff. Shudder actually has a decent amount of foreign films on there. You know, if you just turn on subtitles, you'll get so many cool movies out there, including this. So warning, do not play. As I said, it is a Korean horror movie. And this kind of slides into that semi-found footage, haunted DVD tape realm of horror. It's kind of similar to The Ring in a way. So the, the premise of this movie is that a young struggling director is trying to make a new movie. She's trying to get inspiration for a new horror movie. And she hears about this legend about this movie that was made by a film student and that it is so scary that when people watch it, they die. And there's also like more urban legend around it. Like that the movie itself was filmed and directed by a ghost and all this stuff. So she's trying to find this movie and her hunt for it is crazy and scary. This movie plays with the whole just like haunted DVD. And there's this awesome sequence in which she actually goes into like an abandoned movie theater to like find this. And and she like relives stuff from the movie and everything. God, it is just so good. I I don't want to spoil stuff, but I do need to give a content warning for this movie in that there is like some imagery of self-harm. So be sure to, you know, if that's something that triggers you, maybe skip this movie. But if that's something you can handle, just at least know that it there is that kind of content in this. God, this honestly, this movie does merit having a full-fledged episode on my podcast at some point. And I would love to do that. It's warning, do not play. It's so good. And how I found this movie, I guess I'll just say, if people don't often use this feature on Shutter, is that Shutter has this thing called Shutter TV, which is so cool, and it's kind of just like live TV. So there's always streaming a movie on there, and this is how I found it. I kind of just caught it one day. I just put my TV on in the background and I just put on Shutter TV, and this was playing. I caught in the middle of it. I was like, "Ooh, this is like really grabbing my attention." I kind of want to start this movie from the beginning, so when it like started it over, and ooh, so good. So warning: Do not play from 2019 sure to watch it and it's available on shutter
the next horror movie I want to talk about is an Italian horror anthology movie from 1963 starring Boris Karloff. It's a lot of credentials there. That sound amazing. The movie is called Black Sabbath. If you haven't seen this, this movie is fantastic. This is another one that you will need subtitles for because it's all in Italian slash maybe French for one segment. I couldn't tell, but this is a pretty fun anthology movie and it's pretty unique from other anthology movies that I've seen in that this one's only has this movie only has three vignettes in it, only three segments. So each one's about 20 ish minutes and that's kind of a long time to have a story, have like a real, you know, arc through, through it. Cause normally when I watch these horror anthology movies, it's normally, I don't know, like five of the 10 segments and they're each just like a few minutes long and you're kind of getting all of these different directors and, and these different voices, which I like, I love tales of Halloween for that reason. But in this, you're all getting one director and they're not really looped together in any way. There's no, there's no th- like through line that connects them all or anything like that because the three segments even take place in take place in different periods of time, different characters, different actors. So, so I kind of like that. Actually, that's my preference for horror anthologies. I, I don't really care if the stories connect in any way. I kind of like the idea of just like taking one off the shelf, seeing what it's all about and putting it away and then going to the next one. And this is what this provides. Um, so there's three segments. The first one uh, is called the telephone and uh, it's so, it's so good. It, it's the, the aesthetic is called maximal. I think it's called like maximalism. It's the opposite of minimalism. And by that, I mean, we're in this young woman's apartment and her apartment is just filled with stuff. And it's so great. And you just like feel like there's so much texture to it. And there's all these colors. And of course, there's colors because like it's an Italian movie. So those Italian directors love to play with light and everything. And it's it's honestly like one of the scarier. I mean, there's only three, but it's one of the scarier segments of this because she is she keeps getting all these phone calls from a man that's harassing her saying that he's like spying on her and he's, he can see what she's doing and he's like going to kill her and all this stuff. And it honestly feels a lot like that Casey Beckard cold open from scream. It's, it's so good. It's so unsettling and I love it. And like I said, there's like the texture and the, the, the design of it. It's so freaking good. Um, I, so I love that first segment. The second segment in it is called the Vodalak which is a I believe a Russian or Salvic term. It the common name for it means Russian vampire, I think. So it, it takes place in like the 19th century Russia and it has to deal with this family that is uh, kind of weird. I don't want to say too much, but th- this segment is the one that Boris Karloff stars in. And Boris Karloff is hosting this whole movie. I don't know if I said that, but he is kind of intro- he introduces the movie. He's in this second vignette and then he outros the movie he kind of concludes everything at the end um but the vodalak has to deal with what's called a russian vampire and this is a different spin on vampire same thing kind of like sucking blood and everything like that but the goal what motivates the vodalak is that it is trying to consume the blood and convert members of its family so we're dealing with boris karloff who goes off to fight 
like some kind of vagrant or something like that. And when he, when he comes back, he's a little weird and his family can notice, notice this. And he, 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 he tries to convert his whole family. And there's this kind of stupid, weird, like love story that's going on in the midst of all this. Um, this was the weaker one of the three. So, but it was still like really fun to see, like I said, for a, a production standpoint, cause they do play with lights and, there's multiple sets in this one. This was like definitely like the biggest uh, vignette and the, the most money went into this one. And because there's multiple set pieces in it and everything, but it was, this one was the weakest of them. So, you know, I'll be curious if people do end up watching this movie, I'll be curious to see how you would rank them. And then the third vignette is called the drop of water. And this one was fucking fantastic. Oh, I loved, 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 loved the drop of water. It was fucking creepy. It really wigged me out. And it plays with light so well in this. Um, this one is about a nurse is called by a maid to help out with an elderly woman who passes away in her sleep. And the maid, for whatever reason, is just drawn to steal this emerald ring or a sapphire ring that is on the poor woman that just passed away and she steals it from her. And that night she gets visited by the angry ghosts of this person. And ugh, it is so good. Oh my God. That sounds like the most basic premise to any sort of ghost revenge story. But gosh, the direction of this was so fabulous. They play with light so well. What, what, what my favorite part about this and sorry if I'm like spoiling too much stuff about this movie It's from 1963. So I felt like I could like play around with this one the most, but so like what's happening in her apartment of the nurse is that she has this like fluorescent light across the street that is about the burnout. So it keeps flashing. So the light flashes in and out of her apartment and it kind of causes that like effect. And so like her, her um her apartment keeps going from like being illuminated to being dark and back and forth and it really plays with the the ghost showing up and disappearing and you feel like something's about to show up when when nothing is there and but i think my favorite thing about it is that they establish this light thing at the beginning of the episode or at the beginning of the vignette before you even know like what's coming and because it's flashing and she spends a lot of time in the apartment before the plot really gets going just that flashing you kind of get this sense of like urgency like something's coming because it's kind of in the same tempo as a ticking clock and it kind of like subconsciously tricks you and puts you on edge christopher nolan does this a lot he will you know he he likes to play with time he likes to use the sound of a ticking clock in his uh sound design a lot so i kind of like felt that here even though there wasn't that sound of something ticking I got that sense of something ticking with that light flashing and maybe just it kind of put me on edge, even though I didn't know why I was on edge. It's, it's so good and it's fucking creepy and scary. I love it. Um, so yeah, black Sabbath from 1963, this Italian horror movie that's available on shutter. Go watch it. You will not to be disappointed. It's it, grab your popcorn. You'll have a lot of fun with it. The next movie I'm going to talk about is this movie called Superhost, and this is another one that's available on Shudder. If you couldn't tell, I really like to get my horror movies from Shudder. 
Um, but Superhost is a pretty fun movie. This movie came out in 2021, so it came out last year, and it has to deal with this YouTube content creating couple. Like they're they're trying to make it as YouTubers, and this is their job. This is what what they've been putting all the all the money into, and they have this youtube channel in which they review airbnbs kind of sounds flawed because i don't know who would be interested in that i don't know anyways i, I won't get get into the business model of the couple and super host but where this movie gets creepy and scary is that they stay at an airbnb and it's kind of in a woodsy area secluded of course weird you know cell service and everything and the person that they're staying at, you know, the, the person who hosts this, she, she's a little off kiltered and she's a little weird. She kind of shows up unannounced sometimes. There's like cameras in the house and they, they kind of like get this feeling that she's spying on them and all this and stuff just goes crazy. And she's working really hard to you know earn their good review and everything. And uh, the person that plays the the host itself, her name is... Gracie Gillum and she does such a fabulous job in this like her performance carries this movie she is very unsettling very creepy and you just don't trust her you have no idea what like what her motivations are what it is what it is that she's trying to do but you just know there's something fucking off about this person and it plays off of that so well I do recommend checking this movie out but I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to um, this movie was directed by Brandon Christensen, who has done good, good work. I mean, he produced this movie called Spiral, which is also available on Shutter, which is also on my list here. And I really loved Spiral. So, like, I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like that there was just, like, one piece missing in Superhost. It's not a bad movie by any means. Like, it's enjoyable, totally watchable, very fun. But I... I don't know. I just wanted to love this movie. And I, for whatever reason, I just like couldn't, I don't know. I just felt like it was missing just like one little punch. I felt like I just needed like one big set piece or something like that. But as I said, the acting in this from our antagonist was so freaking good. Uh, Gracie Gillum, she did such a good job as Rebecca. And there's also a pretty fun cameo from Barbara Crampton in this movie. So be sure to check that out. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't like I said, I don't want to give spoilers, but Superhost was fun enough. Watch it. It's only 83 minutes and I'll be interested to know what you think about it. And if you have the same opinion as me or if you're like, Brecker, you're being way too critical. This movie is awesome. Let me know what you think. So be sure to watch Superhost on Shutter. The next movie I'm going to talk about is another Shutter exclusive. And it is called Spiral, but no, it's not that Chris Rock Saw movie. It's just a movie called Spiral. It has nothing to do with Saw, and I loved this movie. This one, it might be tied with Warning Do Not Play for first place, but it's either one or in the two spot. This is, out of the movies we're talking about today, this is the one I gotta say, go see this. This was so good. Um, and as I said, the guy that directed Superhost, he was the producer on this, and this movie was fabulous. Um, Spiral is about a same-sex couple that moves 
out of the Chicago area to like the suburbs of Chicago or just somewhere else in Illinois. And they bring their teenage daughter with them, of course. And they move into like this smaller suburban community. But things are like really off about the neighbors. And only one of the partners in the couple, Malik, realizes that there's something off about the neighborhood. And God, this, this is you just you just feel like that they're in a place that they shouldn't be. And it's so it's so, so good. But what I loved about this movie was that it does that trippy thing of where you're not sure if you can trust your protagonist. Like you can't trust that they are a reliable narrator or a reliable historian because there's stuff that Malik does and says and sees that kind of make you go, hmm, did he actually see this? Did he actually do this? Was this real? Like, why would he see this, but then not say something about it? Like, for example, they kind of get hate, or not kind of, they do get a hate crime that happened to them. Uh, that was the worst way I could have phrased that, sorry. Um, but somebody breaks into their house and spray paints the 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 gay slur, the F word, uh, in their in their house. And Malik finds it. And he is, of course, upset and distraught by it, but he cleans it up, paints over it, and doesn't tell anyone about it. He doesn't tell his partner. He doesn't tell his, his daughter. He just, like, keeps that to himself. And you're like, why would you do that? And he keeps having these phone calls with this person that we never see or hear from. And you're kind of just like, is Malik crazy? I'm not going to answer it. Here, watch the movie and find out. But, god damn, this movie was so fucking good. And... That's like one of my favorite things. I love trippy movies where you're you don't have like the best footing on what's real and what isn't, or like is it a mixture of the two? Like, are some stuff real, some stuff isn't? I know like some people say they kind of hate that twist of like he he or she was crazy the whole time or whatever. And I I don't know. I kind of I love it. I think that takes. I think that's like a pretty bold thing to do. Um, and I'm not spoiling what this movie does, like where they decide to go with it, but. Spiral was so, 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 so good. Very creepy and eerie. Um, I guess it makes sense because one of my favorite movies ever is that Martin Scorsese movie, Shutter Island. And that really fucks with you about like, what is reality? Who can you trust? And things like that. I was kind of getting on a a very different wavelength, those kind of vibes with Spiral. So be sure to check out Spiral. It's so good. And the actor that plays Malik, uh, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, he did such a good job with this. I, I I just really liked this movie. And oh my god, the ending. Um, if you watch it, please like DM me or something. Th- again, this is another movie that I think deserves its own proper episode and dissection on this, which I will get to at some point. Please be sure to watch Spiral, which is available on Shutter from 2019, uh, directed by Curtis David Harder. This is such a good movie. And it's only 87 minutes, so have fun with it. Alrighty, on to a movie that I didn't care for, and I, this is a movie that's been out for a long time. I finally got around to it, but it is Rob Zombie's Halloween remake from 2007, and fucking sucked. Um, I'm trying to figure out where, where to start with this one, because I feel like a lot of people have seen this, and I'm the one that's late to the game on it. Overall, my recommendations don't see it, especially don't see the director's cut, because... 
I watched this on Netflix, and I think I got the theatrical version on Netflix, I think, because apparently in the director's cut, there is this gratuitous rape scene, which I didn't know about until Narissa messaged me on Instagram and kind of told me about it. I was like, I don't remember seeing that. I did watch this while I was working, but I was like pretty focused on it, too. So I think I would have remembered that. Um, But God, okay, so Rob Zombie's Halloween. There's interesting stuff in it. Like, I understand it's really difficult to remake a movie, especially something as heavy as Halloween, because there's so much writing on it and there's so much history behind it. It's a classic. But the the things that are scary about Halloween, that John, the John Carpenter one, is that there's so much unknown. Like, we don't know who Michael is. We don't know who, we don't know who these people are. We don't know how they behave. And that's what's scary is that like you don't know what to expect from Michael. And in this, we in the, when we go into the remake, you, you kind of have an idea what to expect. So that you know, mystery, mystique, and nuance—it's kind of gone, and it's hard to replicate that. Um, but like, I like like some some of the ideas that he was trying to do to make it his own, I appreciate. And so, the thing that I found most interesting was that. This movie is basically through Michael's POV, which is a very interesting thought. Like, I kind of like the idea of seeing him as a kid and seeing him grow up because then it, because it's a contrast to Carpenter's movie where his root of evilness or whatever, like what makes him so malice is unknown and that is scary, but it, the prime, the primary argument is that he was just born that way. It's his nature to to be this way. That, you know, he just has the blackest eyes, you know? In Rob Zombie's movie, you're getting the idea that it's maybe part of his nature, but it's 90% nurture. He was grown and fostered in this disgusting petri dish of a hellbilly, a home, a broken home. And he was bullied. His teachers were awful to him. His parents and siblings were awful to him. It was he was he's a product of his environment. I find that like a really interesting thing. And I don't necessarily hate that we got to see all that. I just more of hate the aesthetic, the hellbilly fucking thing that Rob Zombie does. And it's it's just not fun to watch. And I know like it's Halloween. It's Michael Myers. We're trying to figure out how he became a serial killer. It's not supposed to be fun. I get that, but at the same time, I make a fucking movie that people want to watch. Um, I don't know. I just don't, I just didn't like it. So I like the idea though, that like the first hour of the movie or whatever, we're seeing Dr. Loomis try to reach out to him. That I think was interesting and something that we can build on if this is ever to be remade again. God, I hope not. But just that relationship with him and Dr. Loomis I think is so interesting and we got to see a little bit more of that and Dr. Loomis really tried to reach to him as a child. That is a cool idea and something that would have been way more fun to expand upon and build on, but it just, it just wasn't really there in this. So I don't know. Um, the rest of the movie kind of sucked because everyone is just super crude and grotesque and blah, 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 blah. I just like, Really, really, really didn't like this movie. And I think it might be interesting in the future to do an episode of just a straight up comparison between John Carpenter's and this one and like really compare them and like how they play off fear, 
how they design their scenes and things like that and kind of do a cool comparison between those two and and just just kind of get into the weeds of that i think that might be a fun episode to do um yeah so anyways that's all i have to say about that for right now Alrighty, next up is another movie that I think is pretty popular that I haven't gone around to seeing. It is the horror comedy from 2006, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I finally got around to watching this, and boy, this movie fucking rules, guys. Um, it is available on Shudder, of course. And if you haven't seen it, it is a it, th- this is a pretty cool compliment to the movie, The Cabin in the Woods. I really feel like that behind the mask walked so that way cabin in the woods could fucking sprint and so what this movie is about it's it's done it is shot and produced in that docu or mockumentary style kind of like the office or you know something like that and this documentary crew is following a an inspiring serial killer and or specifically like a slasher movie serial killer because in this movie behind the mask other slashers like Friday the 13th, Halloween, and A Nightmare on Elm Street are all like real life events. Like those are all things that have happened in universe. So in this movie, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees are all like actual people that are serial killers in like Haddonfield, Haddonfield and Crystal Lake. And um, yeah, so uh, this guy named Leslie Vernon is an aspiring serial killer, slasher serial killer in this documentary crew is following him to like learn his training technique and how he does it. And it's kind of a very cool unpacking and dissection of slashers. This was really fun because this is specifically from the angle of the slasher killer. And Kevin, the woods is kind of from that same angle, but it's a little bit more from the angle and POV of the victims because that, because the cabin, the woods does a better job at explaining why those victims make dumb choices, why they even put themselves in those situations and why these situations happened when behind the mask is more of why the slasher killer does these things. Like why does he walk when he could just run or why does he, how does he pick his victims? How does he pick his final girl? And that's something that they do in this. He, he gets into what makes a person stick out and like connect on him on some sort of level that he wants them to be his final girl. And they even get into characters like the, I think he calls him the Ahab, which is kind of like the Dr. Loomis character. And uh, this was just so much fun. I really freaking love this movie. And again, I think that this will be a fun full-fledged episode to have and maybe do an episode again, kind of comparing this to the cabin in the woods or like maybe like the lessons that we got from those. Um, I think that'd be a fun little like special topics thing to do, but uh, this is, behind the mask is so good so the first three quarters of the movie or like four fifths of the movie whatever are the documentary crew learning how he how he does it his traits and everything and we even get kind of get to meet his surrogate parents in this and which is just so bizarre because they kind of treat it just like as any other profession because like it's not his daddies aren't his parents but it's the person mentoring him and the person mentoring him is like this older man who was a slasher killer in his heyday and he kind of talks about how you know all these tricks of the trade and all these 
things that he needs to be aware of and everything. And then like his surrogate mother. So it's like, man, I wish he would pick a different profession that's safer, but you know, he wants to do what he wants to do. He's just like his, he's just like this guy. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's very funny. Um, and I love that we get to see the dynamics between the, the, the camera crew and the person hosting the documentary and like their relationships with each other and the serial killer and everything. But the point that I completely derailed myself from was that the first like three fourths or four fifths of the movie is that documentary mockumentary style. And then the final act of this movie is done objectively like an actual movie production is done. So we actually kind of get to see like what his horror movie looks like. There's some fun twists and turns in this. It's very funny and it's kind of creepy at certain points, but it's like more offsetting just like the reality of this, like if this were real and everything. So be sure to check out Behind the Mask that is available on Shutter. And if people will be interested in a comparison between this and The Cabin in the Woods, uh, let me know because I think that there is a pretty fun special topics episode somewhere in there. So hit me up. Okay, the last movie I am going to talk about, and this one isn't necessarily horror, but it's horror adjacent enough to where I felt like I could kind of give you my two cents on it here, and that is the movie Nightmare Alley. This movie, as I said, it's not straight up horror, but it's horror adjacent enough. I felt like I could like talk about it on here and give it my stamp of approval. This movie fucking rules. It's on Hulu and HBO Max right now. Go watch it. It it's like kind of like a, this noir art deco vibe and everything. And it is a remake from, I believe, a 1940s noir movie. And I kind of liked the ending of this um, because it felt true to how I think movies were made back in the day and how I don't want to give spoilers, but how movies just end. Like when you go and watch movies from the 30s, 40s and 50s, movies just fucking ended. Like they got to the conclu- they got to the climax, a very quick conclusion, like one sentence summary of what just happened, and then boom, credits are rolling. Th- this one isn't as abrupt. I I, I kind of got what they're going for w- with the ending, I think. And God, this movie is so good. And they do a really good job with the art, the the production design, the the art direction of this is so good. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, both of them were just fucking on fire in this movie. I love Kate Blanchett in this. She was just so good. Um. It is a tad long. I think it's about two and a half hours or so, but I'm not really sure where you would cut time in this. Really, um, it's like one of those movies where you kind of need to understand Bradley Cooper's character a little bit. I think, and we get to spend a lot of time with him in this. So, um, without saying any more spoilers or anything like that, just go see Nightmare Alley. It's so good, and it's it's like I said, it's horror adjacent, so it still kind of uh, scratch that itch for you. But um. Yeah, be sure to go check that out. Alrighty, everybody. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This has been my lightning round horror movie review number two. If you like my show, please be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. Share me with friends and family. Retweet my episodes. Leave me reviews. Send me comments, whatever. I just want to say again, thank you to everybody and i want to say thank you again to tiffany and jaysher for joining my patreon if you want to support me and have some more bonus monthly content and 
maybe a little bit more engagement, head over to patreon.com slash bruckerhorror, where you could join my $5 tier and get bonus stuff. And if you want to support me, but like you don't have that much money, I do have a $3 tier where you can still like participate in polls and such. Or just for free, you just want to like send me a nice little message how much you're enjoying the show. I would greatly appreciate that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And I will see you next time with another episode. Be sure to watch some good movies. Goodbye.